0: Uh, Lord Jesus, good morning. Thank you for this uh, brisk Tuesday morning. And uh, I thank you for uh, humor. And uh, John has definitely been somebody that has uh, created a lot of humor for me over the years, a lot of years, Lord. So thank mm-hmm. you. That is quite a gift. And so as people are, are logging on right now or they're listening later, again, we just ask your spirit to speak to them. Lord, this is a tough topic this week for us. Uh, that I know i'm not I'm not good at and I want to get better at. So help me be obedient um, to learning uh, more about you and um, how I can be um, a better um, teammate of yours and this tribe, Lord. So uh, we love you. We love John. I ask you to bless him and, and Michelle and the family. and um, I just thank you for this leadership, Lord. Amen. John Alice, good morning. Good good morning, Jerry Bierman.
1: <laughs> yeah. Good morning, tribe. Um, so I'm going to, you know, I, I, for me, I like jumping out of the Bible. I think it's so rich with just truths. you know, it's, it's written about real people and kind of in reality, like the, you don't get the whitewashed version of who folks are, you get the real deal. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to talk about Saul because he's a character in conflict mm. and you can actually look at King Saul because he's got a ton of that too, but we're going to talk about Saul of Tarsus who's a New Testament character in the book of Acts and uh, author of a lot of letters that make up what we call the New Testament. So Saul comes on the scene in Acts 9. And at that point, he's a Jewish uh, leader with the Pharisees. So he's a teacher and he's the golden boy of the ruling religious party. He's well-trained, like Ivy League training. So he's smart, he's zealous. And as this new cult called the way these people talking about Jesus starts popping up, he becomes ruthless in his, you know, this conflict has come to me and I am going to eradicate it. Mm. And he extends that even, you know, this conflict he's extending to women. So women didn't necessarily in that culture count. Sorry, ladies, they did with God. (laughs) But in that culture, they didn't. And and he's like, I'm going to put them in jail, too. Like, he's just going after him. So he's on his way to Damascus with authority to jail people who are teaching this new way, this cult. Mm -hmm. And he meets Jesus on the road. So Jesus has a little meeting with him. He knocks him off his horse, introduces himself. And he blinds Paul, Saul, rather. So Saul gets led to Damascus. He finishes his journey. And for three days, he doesn't eat or drink anything. Mm. And he thinks and he prays and he processes this way that he was so against has now become this person who was alive and knew who he was Mm. and called him by name. So then God goes to this guy, Ananias in Damascus and says, hey, I need you to go talk to this guy, Saul. And he's like, yeah, I don't know if you know who Saul is, but I know who Saul is. And this is (laughs) not going to be a good conversation. (laughs) So he says, don't worry about it. I told him you're going to heal him. And I showed him how much he's going to have to suffer Hmm. for my name. So Ananias is obedient. Paul's sight returns. And I think part of the suffering of Paul, so he was the golden boy. He was revered and honored. And I think part of the suffering for him is God said, you're going to be maligned and misunderstood. And it, it just was taken away. So he now has spent days processing this interaction and God, I believe, reinterpreting all the things that he thought, just absolutely realigning his thinking around this way. Mm-hmm. So Paul now is zealous. Like he's been, you know, in our current vernacular, we would say Paul is woke, right? So he's got this truth and he is zealous about this truth, hmm he's like, Jesus is alive. This is the real deal. God's always been saying this. And so he goes to the temple and he starts fighting. And he is a zealous fighter and he is a wise fighter. And so he puts people into a fight or flight mode with his arguments. And they don't really like, if you've been around, like maybe hypothetically, say there was a contentious political thing and and someone thinks that you just don't understand. They know that you're not dumb, yeah. but you just don't understand. So they keep bringing information, information, information. And you're like, man, I'm going to move to Tajikistan just to get away from you. Yeah, Or I'm going to kill you. Well, the, the people that Paul's arguing with couldn't really move to Tajikistan, so they decided they were going to kill him. The church finds out about it. They send him down to Jerusalem to get him out of there. Nobody in Jerusalem trusts him the same thing as Ananias, Barnabas comes alongside him and sponsors him and makes some introductions. So they're like, okay, you know, maybe Barnabas, we trust you. If you trust Saul, then so then he goes back to the temple and starts fighting again and stirs the whole thing up and they're going to kill him. <laughs> so the church in Jerusalem just sends him away. They're like, dude, like get on down the road. And then everything starts going good for the church because the the lightning rods out of there so that's acts 9 in acts 11 so we've had years pass now tons and tons of years barnabas ends up in antioch and he sees these greeks getting converted and he remembers paul and his defense and advancement of the faith and he's like oh my gosh this is what that guy saul was all about so he goes to find saul and tarsus and brings him in again barnabas sponsors him again So they spent a year investing in that church and God is doing amazing things. They run a quick errand down to Jerusalem. They pick up a ministry partner, John Mark, and they come back to Antioch. In Antioch, in chapter 13, the spirit sends them out. So the church is praying and they say, hey, Barnabas and Saul, we got this work for you. You need to go out and share the good news of Jesus. So Saul now starts getting called Paul and he goes out and he engages in conflict in every place he goes. He goes to Cyprus and Paphos, and he's engaged in conflict with a, uh, a magician there. He goes to Pisidian Antioch, and they kick him out of town. Like they're just like, leave, we don't want you here. In Acts 14, he goes to Iconium, and he gets things so fired up, he has to run away. He goes to Lystra after that. He gets drugged out of town, stoned, and left for dead. The believers gather around him, and apparently he was only mostly dead. So he uh, <laughs> he comes back to life, and he goes down to Derby, and he starts preaching there. And at that point, like he actually finished what he was doing, and he starts heading home. So he get back to Antioch. He starts telling stories of God's incredible faithfulness and His power among the Gentiles, as he talked about the way of following Jesus. So in Antioch, this is the, kind of the conflict I want to set up. In Antioch, people came from uh, devote, devout followers of Yahweh, of God, Jewish, now believers. They believe in the way, but they're also very Jewish in their belief. So the way this thing that Paul was arguing for is perceived as a Jewish cult. It's an, an aspect of Judaism that's really different, you know, it's, it's mostly Jewish people, so they've, they've tended to the Jewish law and tradition, and they've embraced the way of Jesus. Mm. Now, they're engaging with the Greek culture, and the Greek culture has its own worship and its own style of doing things mm. that don't involve any of the things of the Jewish religious culture. So guys come who've embraced Jesus, but they are good, devout Jews. And they start telling these Gentile believers that they need to be circumcised. So circumcision is um, a Jewish rabbi tending to your manhood with a sharp stone. Mm, And it's removing flesh. And it was an identifying mark of devotion and being set apart. So they're talking to these Greek men who are already believing the way of Jesus. They've been encountered by the Holy Spirit. They're in the midst of being transformed. And they're saying, yeah, but I need to meet you behind the curtain with my sharp stone. (laughs) So this, this conflict then is all about the direction of the good news. Like the good news became significantly less good when you start talking about that. Yeah. That's like the kind of good (laughs) news. Yeah. So these believers then are tied to tradition and they talk about circumcision and the law. Mm. So the law started out as these 10 rules from Moses, the law of Moses. They've now interpreted what Moses actually meant over 600 times. And and they want these Greeks now to, to get enmeshed in this stuff that has just led to this Abysmal relationship between Jesus, between God and his people. And they're saying, Yeah, you need this too. So these Paul and Barnabas now are arguing with these guys and they, they can't settle it. They're in a heated conflict because it's the it's our direction forward, it's it's what's next, and it matters. So the decision is made to go to Jerusalem to approach the apostles and the elders of the church. The beginning of the church the church and to present their case to figure out how do we address this so it's a significant conflict it has long far-reaching consequences so in this conflict resolution here's what happens they go to jerusalem the Jews, God-fearing Jews, who are now followers of the way, present their case and say, you know, for us to be faithful, to honor God, we cannot disregard the law. The law that they could never fulfill, the law that they were never able to please God, they're like, everybody else has to suffer in this too. It's the way, you know, and then Peter, who now is the, you know, one of the foundations of the church, right? Jesus said, I'm going to give you the the keys to the kingdom he's the cornerstone uh, or not the cornerstone that's jesus but he is the foundation of the church in jerusalem he's a trusted leader he spent time with jesus he gets up and talks about his experience from a decade at least maybe 15 years earlier where he gets invited to a gentile's house in acts 10 and the the gentile has a dream he's a, a roman centurion and he says send for this guy he's at this guy's house in this city by the sea and tell him to come and so god gives peter a vision that tells him it's okay to go he goes he starts telling the story of the way and before he's even done the holy spirit gets bored and he's like man we got to get this show on the road and he just bam he falls on all these gentiles and they're filled with the holy spirit they speak in tongues they prophesy and the transformation begins so he treated, God treated them just like he treated the believers in the way at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. So Paul, Peter tells that story and says, how can we argue with this? And then Paul and Barnabas tell of their current experience with the same thing happening. And then James, who's now the leader of the church there, looks back to their prophetic history and quotes out of Amos and says, you know, God has always intended to rebuild David's tent, which we've let fall, with the Gentiles. It's always been a part of his plan. So then he makes a declaration. He says, it is my judgment that we shouldn't make it difficult for Gentiles who are coming into faith in the way. So part of the key in this is the arguments were presented, but then there's a mutually respected authority that has weighed the evidence, the experience, and the historical trajectory. You know, so when we're in conflict, can we find someone who has our respect that we can present our, our conflict to and then allow them to speak to that and honor it? Mm-hmm. And that's a bit of a challenge. now he doesn't say wholesale like there's no rules anymore don't even worry about it in verse 29 he took the not the 10 laws not the 620 interpretive laws but he breaks it down to four things that deal specifically with major divisions that would be caused between your jewish believers and your greek believers that are centered around worship and he says um it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us not to burden you with anything beyond abstaining from food sacrifice to idols, from blood, the meat from strangled animals, and sexual immorality. So those all had to do with worship of idols. Um, and and it, those things, the blood and the sexual immorality, were particularly offensive to the Jews. And he said, let's take the big stones out of the way, and you guys work out the rest. So I'd like to say that that was a happy ending and the conflict was resolved. But if you continue reading, you'll see that everywhere Paul went in Acts, these ideas, these arguments, these people followed him Mm. to the end. Mm -hmm. So our conflicts are, you know, we engage, we re-engage, we try and do it in a way that is, you know, based in our facts, our experience and the trajectory, the long view of who we are and what we're for. Mm-hmm. so try and set your your conflicts up in that way and present them to someone that that has respect on both sides of the aisle so to speak
0: good that's good john there's a whole lot there that's i'm gonna to have to listen a couple times to this the uh <laughs> one, well one of the pieces that's very encouraging that i'm hearing as well is like you can go back 2,000 years ago and 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 read about uh saul who be, became named uh Paul and mm-hmm. the battles that he faced like we'll you know thank god none of us on this call will ever experience the uh, conflict that that he experienced and so we do have some really great reference points in the bible which is mm-hmm. really uh, encouraging yeah. um, I I, I uh, Rufus is on here I always talk about going you know to a 72 year old and getting his wisdom and insight Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a great reminder that I can go back two thousand years and get uh, Paul's uh, wisdom and insight as well. So, and we need we, both. We yeah, need we, our yeah. we need our
1: gray hairs around us. Yeah, yeah, that's good, man.
0: All right, my friend. Uh, just being uh, respectful of time, pray us into the rest of our Tuesday, please.
1: Jesus, we are so grateful um, for everything that you overcame to come to us. Yeah the way you moved um, the hearts of those leaders and they submitted and yielded to you that today we can, we can engage with you in grace. And I ask that my brothers and my sisters on this call would have eyes to see and ears to hear today. I pray that you would grant them wisdom through the Holy spirit as they engage in the conflicts that are coming to them today. Mm -hmm. You give them patience and peace in the midst of them. Mm -hmm. Lord, thank you for your incredible goodness and favor. We're grateful and we love you. Amen. Amen. Well done, John.